next on Contemplate. Christians are not perfect. They're not perfect. And therefore, the fact that some Christians are hypocrites would not be an argument against the truth claims of Christianity because the truth claims of Christianity admit that some Christians are hypocrites. Ever heard someone say that Christians are just a bunch of hypocrites? Ever thought that yourself? Well, as we continue to look at objections people have against the Christian faith, we'll learn about that very thing. Here's Pastor David. This week, the objection is different, okay? It's, it's a little different. Again, we're dealing with an objection that has some philosophical side, but it also has a, kind of a psychological side. And, and this is an objection leveled against individual Christians, about the way that they act. The objection is that Christians are hypocrites. Uh, Christians are hypocrites. Um, in fact, this was the most common objection that I received. For those of you who know, I, I had everybody or whoever was willing to send out two questions. What's your biggest objection to belief in God? What's your biggest objection to belief in the Christian faith? And of the answers that I got back, and I got a lot of objections, the really common theme throughout a lot of these objections was... Christians are hypocrites, therefore I don't believe, because they're hypocrites. Or at least, therefore, I don't go to church, or at least, therefore, I sort of reject Christianity as it's presented. And so, I think we better deal with it, since it was the most common objection. Here's what a few different people said. One person said, my doubts come from the following. Fake people, pretending life is perfect and going to church Sunday, while knowingly sinning, big sins, in parentheses, pushing beliefs on someone while they don't even try to follow them trying to look good to others, hypocrites, church welcomes everyone, bull, how do I know? First-hand experience. Next person, oh, my biggest objection to the Christian faith, Christian hypocrites. Next person, as with any religion, hypocrisy and cherry-picking which morals to follow instead of simply leading a life of love. Next person says, I believe wholeheartedly in God, that has never been a question for me, but I left the church 25 years ago because, one, I had family members and friends who called themselves Christians, but were some of the most uncompassionate people I had ever met. It made me realize that they used their religion and their belief that Jesus died on the cross to save them from their sins as a reason not to try to be a better person. Since they are forgiven, no need to treat others with respect. I found I had better church with people who lifted me up instead of dragging me down. I have a lot of Christian friends and family who are amazingly loving people, but the bad ones putting themselves up on a pedestal drove me away. And this is a quote from Mahatma Gandhi. He says this, and you may have heard this quote before. He says, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. So these are um, some very deeply felt objections, and we need to kind of work through them. So let's start, let's start with the de definition of hypocrisy so we know what we're working with, okay? I got this from Merriam-Webster Online Dictionary, and it says, hypocrisy is a feigning to be what one is not or to believe what one does not, behavior that contradicts what one claims to believe or feel, especially the false assumption of an appearance of virtue or religion, right? You guys know what hypocrisy is. It's that. Right? That's what we mean when we say hypocrisy. So, so let's take this objection and sort of work it out. First, I want to look at uh, 
kind of the philosophical objection that is raised with the issue of hypocrisy. Then I want to look at sort of the psychological objection that's raised with the issue of hypocrisy, okay? Um, I'm going to tell you up front, if you are thinking, why not just say no one is perfect, even Christians, so why are people complaining, right? That's how some people want to deal with this objection. Some Christians are like, well, no one's perfect. They're not perfect either, so why are people complaining about Christianity? Um, I'm not going to use that as our objection or our way of dealing with these objections. I actually believe that this is really a complicated matter, a complicated objection, and it requires a thorough and complicated answer. And that means this might, be, this might get kind of difficult as we go through. So try to stay with me. If you haven't had your coffee, um, you know, do your best, okay? Um, so I want you to remember that as Christ followers... We are required to think well and to be fair to our objectors, okay? To think well and to be fair to our objectors. That means that we have to deal fairly with arguments that come against the things that we believe. We can't caricature those arguments. In other words, we can't try to make those arguments seem different than they really are. We have to actually put them in their best light in the best possible scenario that can be used for that argument, and then deal with that, as opposed to uh, using tactics to argue and so on that just make arguments seem like they're not any good. This one actually has some, some validity to it, so let's, let's work with it, okay? I think there are two possibilities as a philosophical objection, as a philosophical objection to belief in the truth claims of Christianity. The first argument would go like this. If Christian truth claims were true, then no Christians would be hypocrites. Some Christians are hypocrites. Therefore, Christianity is not true. Our Christian truth claims are not true. Now, before you say, well, maybe nobody's really saying it that way or, or thinking about it that way, I actually think there are some people who think about it that way. And as a, as a one-and-done objection to Christianity, the argument would have to look something like that. It's the only way that a reasonable argument could look if you want to use hypocrisy as sort of a direct kicking Christian truth claims out based on it. Okay, so let's deal with that. Let's deal with that. Because you have to be making a claim that basically says that the hypocrisy of some Christians is inconsistent, cannot exist at the same time as Christian truth claims being true. All right. The argument, by the way, has merit, is valid if the first premise of the argument is true. Because I think everyone will admit that the second premise, that some Christians are hypocrites, is true, right? So the first premise is, if Christian truth claims were true, then no Christians would be hypocrites. And I think that, I think that this is coming at least at some level from, from a reasonable place, which is to say this, um, if, if I was to expand this, this premise in the most reasonable way, I would say something like this. If Christianity is true, then followers of Christ would be spiritually transformed into people who do not act like hypocrites. That if it was true, that, that Christ's followers would be spiritually transformed into people who didn't act like hypocrites, right? That's what they would do. If that's true, if that is actually true, then the first premise of the argument would be true. And it is possible, possible, that some Christians implicitly or explicitly try to suggest that that's true or act in ways that suggest that they think that's true, that they really are perfect, that becoming a Christian has really made them perfect, right? Um, they may look down on others and judge them harshly, and when you do that, you're saying something 
other than just the judgment that you're making. You're saying something about what you say about yourself. And so if I'm from the outside looking at Christians, I could believe that what some Christians may be trying to suggest is that they're perfect, is that becoming a Christian has made them perfect. And if that was true, if it was supposed to make you perfect, and then there's all these imperfect Christians, then there's an issue. There's an issue, right? So, um, fortunately, for the validity of Christian truth claims, anyone who makes a suggestion that becoming a Christian makes you perfect is way out of line with Christian theology, way out of line with what the Bible teaches, okay? There is no suggestion in Scripture that becoming a Christ follower comes with instant perfection in behavior. Quite the opposite, in fact, right? The Bible makes it clear that we are in a process, a process toward perfection that will be completed in the power of God when we are finally fully transformed, but that that's not where we are right now. That's not where we are right now. So according to the truth claims of Christianity, Christians are not perfect. They're not perfect. And therefore, the fact that some Christians are hypocrites would not be an argument against the truth claims of Christianity because the truth claims of Christianity admit that some Christians are hypocrites. Okay? Now, the, the first argument doesn't really work well. Okay? It doesn't, it doesn't do enough because what it's really trying to do is it's trying to outright kick out Christian truth claims wholesale. But there's actually a better philosophical argument, and I think it's more common. It goes like this. The larger the percentage of people who claim to follow Christian truth claims who are hypocrites, the weaker the evidence for Christian truth claims. Okay, I'm going to say that one more time. Essentially, the more people who claim to be Christians who are hypocrites, the weaker the evidence for the truth claims of Christianity. Second premise would be, there are a large percentage of Christians who are hypocrites, and then the conclusion is, therefore, the evidence for, the Christian, for Christian truth claims is relatively weak. See, this is doing something different. It's actually a much stronger argument because it attempts to prove less. I also think this is the argument that most people would say reflects their objection about hypocrites, Christian hypocrites. This is the one that they would probably use, not that first one, but the second one. It's, it's, it's a different kind of argument. So let's look, let's look at the argument. Up front, let me tell you this, if the premises are true, those first two things are true, the conclusion is true, okay? The argument is in a valid form. So if the premises are true, the conclusion is true. So let's look at the first premise. Why would someone connect the percentage of hypocrites, Christian hypocrites, to the evidence for Christian truth claims? Let me tell you why they might do that. Because, although as we discovered earlier, the Bible does not claim that Christians will be perfect, it does command believers not to be hypocrites. It does do that. It definitely says believers are not supposed to be hypocrites. So, if a large percentage of the people who claim to follow the Bible do not follow it on a fundamental command, that would tend to suggest to a reasonable person that the people who claim to believe the Bible don't really believe the Bible. It suggests that they don't really believe the Bible because they're not following something that they believe and say is a fundamental command of the Bible. Now, if even the people, Christians, which is the category of people who claim to believe that the Bible is true and the truth claims of Christianity are true, if even they don't really believe it, and we can see that by their actions, you can see why a skeptic might think that the evidence for the truth of the Bible may be weak. Even those who claim to believe it show by their actions that they don't really seem to believe it. 
You see why this is a stronger objection? So it's not, a, it's not an objection to the cr- truth of Christianity outright, like, oh, hypocrites equals nothing can be true. It's a cumulative evidence argument, suggesting that the hypocrisy of some Christians makes the validity of Christian truth claims less likely, less probable. Okay? And as an argument of this type, it does carry some weight. That is to say this, we cannot simply dismiss the argument outright as an ad hominem attack, like that first argument from hypocrisy. Let me tell you what ad hominem means. Ad hominem means basically, instead of arguing against the argument, instead of arguing against Christian truth claims, you argue that the person asserting them is a bad person, therefore they must not be true. That's like saying, okay, you know, Sherry is, you know, sin sometimes, therefore the answer she got to her math test must be wrong, right? That's, that's not a good argument, right? Whether or not Sherry does bad things, I'm sure she doesn't really, I'm just using this as an example, but whether or not she does bad things would have nothing to do with whether or not her, math, her, her answers to math questions are correct or incorrect. In the same way, a general objection, Christians are hypocrites, therefore Christianity is not true, doesn't work either. The person asserting the argument has nothing to do with the truth of the argument itself, okay? But we can't get rid of this one that way. The first one can get, be gotten rid of that way. Basically, you're saying that because there's some hypocrites, therefore it's not true. But this one's different. This one's different. Um, and in order for the argument to work, the Christians, Christians that the argument is referring to would, would have to be something, right? We'd have to define them somehow. And I think that they would have to be something more than people who simply or only just claimed to be Christians. Okay? you got to follow me here. I think that when you say Christians are hypocrites in that argument, you have to, to be fair, you have to say that Christians have to be more than just somebody who says, I'm a Christian. That by itself probably isn't enough to make them the kind of Christian that would actually give you evidence in this argument. All right? So, we have to be very careful here, though. Follow me. This is important. Because if you answer this the wrong way, you end up turning this into a circular argument, or what some philosophers call begging the question. And let me explain what I mean by that. If we simply say, real Christians are Christians who are not hypocrites. Therefore, there are no Christian hypocrites. Therefore, the argument from hypocrisy fails. Well, that's kind of unfair, right? If I just define them out of existence, that doesn't work. So we can't just say we want to define them that way, but I think we do, we do have to define them because it's, it's not true that real Christians are not hypocrites. That's not true. Even Scripture tells us this. Let's read Galatians 2, 11 through 13. So Paul says, Now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. So here we have Peter, definitely a Christian. Barnabas, definitely a Christian, being hypocrites. They're being hypocrites. So we know that sometimes Christians are hypocrites. So when we define what Christian means here, it's going to be a little bit more complicated than that, okay? The question I think I would have is, what kind of hypocrisy, what kind of hypocrisy would it take to suggest that Christians were really not serious 
about believing the truth claims of Christianity or about believing the Bible, right? The whole, that whole argument rests on the idea that because of the hypocrisy, that suggests that the person being a hypocrite doesn't really believe the truth claims of Christianity. And so the question is, what kind of hypocrisy, what kind of hypocrisy would actually suggest that? And is there a kind that would not necessarily suggest that? Okay? Because I think that it really goes beyond hypocrisy. If you really want to use this argument to its full extent, you would say any violation of the commands of Scripture would be open to this attack. Any Christian who's doing anything that the Bible says not to do, you could say, therefore, they don't believe in the truth claims of Christianity, therefore, I probably shouldn't either, okay, if that's true. So um, let's, let's, uh, let's look at this, okay? What would give rise to believing that hypocrisy meant unbelief? What, what would give rise? I would say this, lifestyle a lifestyle of unrepentant hypocrisy. Unrepentant means you're doing it, you're called on it, and you don't turn from it, okay? I would actually say a lifestyle of unrepentant hypocrisy or a lifestyle of unrepentant sin of any kind. In other words, you know the Bible says you ought not to do this thing, and you do this thing, and people are like, hey, you know, the Bible says you ought not to do this thing, and you're like, I don't care. That would suggest that would suggest that you don't really believe what the Bible says, okay? So the question then becomes, how many people, how many people are in that category? How many people who are Christians are in that category? Paul and Barnabas, I'm sorry, Peter and Barnabas, in this passage, Paul calls them to account, and what's implied in Scripture is that they repent. They turn away from it. They recognize that they're being hypocrites, and they stop acting like hypocrites. Now, now, this is important because it sort of twists the tables. If that's true, then that would be evidence that goes in the other direction, right? It would suggest that people do believe what the Bible says is true because when they're called on a mistake, they turn around from it, suggesting that they take Scripture seriously. They take the truth claims of Christianity seriously, right? So if you're behaving badly as a believer and you're called on it, and you turn from that behavior, that would suggest that you truly believe in the truth claims of Scripture. Why else would you change your behavior? Okay, so do a large percentage of Christians fall into the category of unrepentant hypocrites and sinners? Is that true? Is it true? Again, it's going to depend somewhat. I want to keep working with the word Christian here. And make sure we have a definition that makes sense and that is fair, okay? What do we mean when we say a Christian? We've already said that just claiming to be a Christian can't be enough because anybody could do that. Anybody could just claim to be a Christian because if that's true, then the answer is going to be one thing about the percentage of Christians who are hypocrites and sinners and unrepentant about it. But if a Christian has to do something beyond simply saying or claiming to be a Christian, then we're probably going to get a different answer to this question. For instance... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a different example here. I would think that most intellectually convinced atheists would not consider it an argument against the evidence of the truth claims of atheism that a large percentage of people who claim to be atheists also claim that there are such things as objective moral values and duties. Let me tell you why this is important. Objective moral values and duties and a belief in atheism 
cannot be there at the same time. And philosophical atheists, people who, who write books on this and who've thought through it well, they all know that. But a lot of people who would say, I'm an atheist, would also say it's really wrong to rape and murder and torture and kill and steal and so on, which they're right about that part, okay? Wrong about the atheism part. But they can't say both those things at the same time. They can't hold both those things at the same time. And so you could use the same argument against them. They don't really believe the truth claims of atheism because they're off on that somewhere. And yet I don't think that if I was an atheist, a, a, a convinced serious intellectual atheist that I would think that my arguments had any less merit because there were a lot of people out there going around saying I'm an atheist who held atheism wrong or practiced it wrong. In the same way, I think it's fair to say that a lot of people out there saying I'm a Christian who are practicing it wrong or holding it wrong cannot be the ones that we hold responsible to say that people who are Christians don't believe in scripture really. Okay? I hope you're still with me. I know this is getting complicated. Um, but we got we to walk through this because it's a complicated issue. All right, I think this. I think that Christians who have truly thought through and learned the truth claims of Christianity in Scripture and claim to believe them and follow them are the ones that should be included. So that would leave out some people. It would leave out anyone who claims they're a Christian but has never really studied the Bible or the truth claims of Christianity. They can't be counted. Because their actions couldn't say anything about whether they believe it because they don't even know what those things are. And I think there's some people that fit into that category. It would leave out those who would claim to be Christian because their families are Christians. When they do these studies and they, and they do these surveys and they come back and they're saying 80, 90% of Americans claim to be Christians, I think we can all safely guess that that may be a slightly inflated number if we're talking about people who are really serious about it right? Um, it would leave out Christians who go to church, but nothing else in their lives suggests that they believe or follow Scripture. That would leave them out, okay? And frankly, there's a lot of categories of folks who claim to be Christian who would say, oh, I'm a Christian, if you ask them, who could not possibly be included in the term Christian in this argument, because what they do or whatever really has no bearing, no suggestion, no evidential value in the argument that's being made here, Okay? Once we define Christian this way, and I think this is the fair way to define it. I'm not just trying to find an easy way out of this argument. I think it's fair to define Christians by people who are actually practicing Christianity. Okay? Then we have a problem with that second premise, which is there are a large percentage of Christians who are hypocrites. In fact, I would suggest that among those who have thoroughly studied Christianity, they've studied the truth claims, they claim that they believe the truth claims, and they claim that they follow them, I would say there's actually a very small number of unrepentant hypocrites and sinners. Now notice that I did not say that there are not a lot of people who sin or who sometimes practice hypocrisy. Quite the opposite. I actually think there are a lot of Christians. I would go so far as to say all Christians sin, mess up, sometimes are hypocritical. The question is whether or not they're unrepentant. Because remember, as we discussed earlier, if they're repentant, it actually goes the other way. It actually suggests they really do believe the truth claims of Christianity. So the question is, how many of these people that really fit in the category of Christian are unrepentant hypocrites, unrepentant sinners? Not very many. And therefore, I think that this second argument kind of falls. It kind of fails there. 
It's just, it's not, it's not enough. Because when, once we're fair about it and we include the people that really could be included to make the argument make sense, we find that actually that second premise of the argument is not true and therefore the conclusion is not true. Okay? Hypocrisy doesn't make for a strong philosophical argument against tr- Christian truth claims in either of the arguments that we studied, that first one or that second one. You'll want to be sure and listen to the next episode when we'll learn about the psychological argument about hypocritical Christians. And if this kind of teaching is something you'd like more of, come see us at Acts Church in Vancouver, Washington, and hear Pastor David in person. Get all the info you need anytime at actschurchnw.org or call 360-885-9000. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for listening. And remember to check out part two of this important teaching, and it's powerful here on Contemplate.